0: Okay. Oh yeah, I'm gonna have fun this episode. Oh yeah. I'm enjoying it already. And we have another invader in the Man Cave podcast. She's been here
1: already. <laughs>
2: doing doing what she do. I don't know how I invaded if I was invited.
1: Well okay. You were invited to witness the the, the 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 happening of the episode and you said fuck it, I'm gonna jump on in. I asked. <laughs> I asked permission. Oh, the, the ones that you stole the mic for—he was afraid of you. Yeah, that <laughs> shit don't matter. That's deadass. That, that, is, ass. that, that says more That's, about your friend than it does about I mean. me.
0: Was <laughs> <laughs> uh, it like coercion? What do you call it? Like, uh, what you're, I mean, you're the you're the I, expert. No, here. I like, don't know what you're trying yeah, to call oh, okay, it.
1: Okay. <laughs> All right, just thinking. Uh, welcome everybody back to the Man Cake Podcast. Mm-hmm. As you can see, we have another woman on. Because that's what we want to do, right? We want to bring more women on empowerment. Yes, a black woman at that Black History Month. Larry's my blacker half, you know. Well, we
0: don't know. Are you black? We got to ask these questions. Because oh yeah, how do you uh, how do you identify? Yeah.
2: Okay. <laughs> um, in terms of my identity, I identify as a black woman. Okay, and, uh, perfect. That is that is me. She her. Perfect. She her. Perfect. She her pronouns. Cisgender.
0: Yeah. Perfect. It's me. I got to get educated on these things because I, I don't. feel like. It's going to bite me in the ass one day, for real. (laughs) Badass.
2: I was reading those questions y'all
1: wrote. I'm like, yeah. What questions did we (laughs) ask? That was a little. I don't
0: think we asked (laughs) anything.
1: Well, uh, I guess we'll get there. I I, I think her brain
0: is like, okay, I see where you're going with this. You're trying to lead me into like this rabbit hole. And then like, no.
1: See, not everything is a trap. You know, men are not always trying to trap. We just trying to have a conversation. I'm honestly just trying to learn. Are you? You can ask Larry, you can ask Abby. Don't I asked it. you to come on because I wanted to have a conversation with you about like your career and everything because I think that uh, fascinated me. I don't know a lot of lawyers, least of all a female lawyer, uh, so that's what I wanted to get into. So if you want to go ahead and give us your background a little bit about yourself, go ahead. Sure. So
2: um, hello, everybody. I am a lawyer here in Philadelphia. Uh, oh, is do- it Philly? No,
1: no, no. I'm joking. <laughs>
2: I'm a lawyer in Philadelphia. Um, I work in a private firm. I do like uh, business litigation, so when businesses sue other businesses, trying Mm. to work out their disputes, uh, and some like corporate bankruptcy stuff. Uh, So that's that's me. That's what I do. Uh, I went to an HBCU for undergrad. Which one? Shout out to the Lincoln University. Of Pennsylvania, yes, we are the first degree-granting HBCU in this nation, so that's us.
0: If I had a dollar every time I heard that shit, bro, oh my I'm god! I'm so sorry. Yeah, I would be wealthy. Y'all are, I guess, pride proud to be
2: Lincoln. I mean, wouldn't you?
0: I don't know. My my uh, experience at Lincoln wasn't all that great. I went to I went for a French Montana concert, <laughs> and bro, <laughs> when I tell you, I've never seen no more ratchet shit. Like I went to the bathroom. And it was chicken bones. Everywhere was it
2: homecoming? It might have been spring fling. Might have been. It gets a little different around. Oh,
0: okay. I, but
2: I promise you, if you showed up on Monday morning, campus would have been spotless. We clean it up real quick. Don't worry about it.
0: Okay. Chicken bones is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, what did you get from Lincoln? Bachelor's, master's, so I have master's. a
2: bachelor's from Lincoln in French uh, language and literature, mm. and then I went on. I went straight through, so I'm what people call a K through JD. Started in kindergarten and never stopped going to school until I graduated from law school. Um, went to Villanova's Charles Widger School of Law. Uh, that's what they <laughs> call it now. You know, it's the brand, so you got to you gotta say the whole thing. Listen,
0: wear like a badge of honor because I'm yeah. sure that shit wasn't easy.
2: No, not at all. Um, that That three years, really, it's funny because I was telling someone the other day, it's like, you don't necessarily have to love the law. You have to understand why you're there. And once you've determined what your purpose is, it makes getting through that three years worth it because you've already predetermined, like, whatever I have to do to get to point B, Mm -hmm. it's worth these three years. So it's a rough ride, but you make it through. Um, Took the bar exam, so got licensed in 2020. I've been practicing ever since.
1: And Mm why did you decide to go the route that you went for, like, that specific, like, lawyer? You said it was for, like, business? and
2: Yeah, so uh, the way it started for me, I have an older brother who's a lawyer, Mm -hmm. uh, and he's he started out doing like criminal defense work. Uh, He's always been in the practice and he's always been in the courtroom and kind of the wheeler dealer. When it came time to decide what I wanted to do with my life, I looked at someone else that I knew who had a terminal degree because no one else in my family even had an education to start with. Mm -hmm. So that was the first step. And I was like, okay, well, if he's a lawyer, I can probably do that too. then when I graduated, I was like, well, the thing I'm good at is talking to people thing I'm good at is standing up in front of people speaking extemporaneously oh or just off the top of your head right so extemporaneous just means it's not pre- rehearsed you didn't oh practice my it God. Okay. I'm saying it for the benefit of your listeners it's mm. not for you lady. we have a highly educated audience <laughs>
0: if you didn't know all of our viewers have PhDs considering
2: so. the host didn't know what the word meant uh, I thought that might have been a good idea oh, good.
0: Mm, no, it's, it's all good learn <laughs> something every day I can't be perfect I, mean, I still I don't know how to pronounce it <laughs> I don't even worry about I it. Won't, I'm not concerned. Nobody's using
1: this shit.
2: <laughs> okay, well, I, because that's what I'm good at. I thought being in the courtroom, I thought litigating, I thought handling um, real cases and knowing, you know, you have to know the client. You have to understand the client's issues and you have to be able to anticipate what the issue, could, what the next issue could be. Uh, so that's how I got into litigation and that's how I ended up in bankruptcy litigation because it's just, you know, doing all the work that leads up to the trial.
1: What was the process from graduating getting your, you know, doing that and then finding a job within that field? Was it easy? Was it something that just came out? Because I know a lot of people talk about going to college and getting their degree Mm -hmm. and not being able to get a job for their degree.
2: Yeah. So the reason I was able to study French in undergrad was because I knew I was going to law school. Uh, and I was able to do it comfortably was because I knew I was going to law school. And it doesn't really matter what you study before you go to law school to get into law school. It may matter like going forward if you know that you want to you know, work with businesses, you want to be in-house at a big company, you might want an accounting background or something mm-hmm. like that. But if you're just like, ah, I just want to be a lawyer and I just want to get my law degree, then you can just kind of study what makes you happy, study what brings you joy, study what will give you the highest GPA. I knew French Are would do you that Are you fucking for me. kidding me? I graduated undergrad with a 3.9 GPA because I was studying something I enjoyed.
0: Oh my God, bro. So we have people running around this fucking city practicing law, and they were like art majors.
2: Yeah, absolutely. But actually, art majors are really good lawyers. They're, they're really good for intellectual property. So to the extent that you are an artist okay. or you own a museum or you own an extensive art collection, you'd like your lawyer to understand what art is really worth.
0: Well, see, when you put it like that, that makes sense. Yeah, she's a but, lawyer. You can't yeah, say anything. That she's God, gonna forbid, God forbid. God <laughs> <laughs> forbid. But I was thinking more along the lines like, OK, you're doing criminal defense and your fucking degree is in something completely irrelevant. Like, so there has to be no correlation between what you study before you go to law school.
2: There doesn't have to be. Okay. Um, it can be beneficial. It certainly gives you a, a bank of experiences to pull from right. when you talk to people about things. So because I studied French, I thought, oh, I'll go into international law. And I got to law school and realized international law was not all that interesting to me. So I was not all that sold on the idea. Um, I liked the professor who taught the class, but I was not interested in the subject itself. So I was like, okay, that won't be my career. Uh, but you do you have a level of flexibility with mm-hmm. a law degree that you don't have in other ways in fact that's how i ended up going part of how i ended up in law school that i thought oh i'm gonna go to take a master's program um for like a year or two in between and then i'll go to law school my brother looked at me he was like you're ridiculous anything they'll let you do with the master's they'll let you do with the jd mm-hmm. go get the doctorate degree mm-hmm. and that's what it is uh so anyway to answer your question jorge um it's a matter of you know, when, you, when you're in your third year of law school, that last year, yeah. everyone is looking for a job. Everybody knows that you're looking for a job and everybody knows that you don't yet have a license to practice. So I knew that I wanted to stay in Philadelphia because my family has officially transplanted here. So we're from Detroit originally. We all, my siblings are all here. D-town. You know, 313. Mm-hmm. Uh, so once we got here... It was like, okay, well, this is where we're going to stay. We're going to settle here. So I knew I was taking the Pennsylvania bar exam. I knew I needed to be licensed in Pennsylvania. And then I looked for jobs that would, you know, require me to be licensed, but maybe would give me time until like that October. So normally that's what you do. You take a job. They know you need to take the bar exam. The bar exam is in July. They tell you, well, you know, you're hired. You officially start either after the exam or after uh, you get your results, which is usually about in October. In my case, I signed on to be a law clerk, so I applied to a few different judges. I found a judge who's in an appellate court here in Pennsylvania. I applied to her. She interviewed me. We did that whole process, and then she hired me as a clerk, so I clerked for her for about a year and a half. And then, just you know, you just look for the next job, just like any other job.
0: Obviously, you're a bright person, and and this is going to vary from, you know, depending on who you're talking to. Would you say it was difficult passing the bar, like? what's that what was that like
2: passing the bar is hard yeah. um, passing the bar is hard and it takes a lot of time and energy and commitment the luxury that you have that first summer after you graduate is that most places don't expect you to work right so that's what i'm saying like they yeah. give you that time and they're like look you don't have to work but the hourly the hourly commitment i can't remember exactly what the hourly commitment is but the way the math works out is that essentially you should be studying 40 plus hours a week for eight to 10 weeks straight. So I can't do, I, I'm a lawyer. I don't do math in my head. Um, but <laughs> if I were to do that math in my head, it works out to something like, I think 45 to 50 hours a week for eight to 10 weeks is Jesus. what the prep companies estimate you need to spend. Mm. You could spend more or less and still be successful, but to guarantee success, that's what they say you need to invest in
1: it. Would you agree with that? Like you, you were putting that much time in? Yeah. No,
2: absolutely. I it didn't feel like it because it was all I had to do. So I would wake up in the morning. You know, I, I went through a morning routine. I'd go to the law school. I'd sit in the library. I'd do whatever. You know, they have prep courses that make it really easy. So they tell you like step by step, this is what you do. This is what you do. Uh, So you go in, you sit down, you do whatever your tasks are for the day. Maybe you do a little extra work on the side. You know, if you're a flashcard user or a a poster board person, you kind of do that. I was a, I'm a whiteboard person. So I write out like the whole lesson Mm -hmm. on the whiteboard and bullet points until I could pare it down so that it was a quick kind of run through in my head. Um, But that's like, it's, it's a time commitment. It's a lofty time commitment. And it didn't feel heavy when I wasn't working, but I recently sat for the New Jersey bar exam and I when I sat, I was working full time. Yeah. That was impossible.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine somebody who's working full time and then wanting to pursue to become a lawyer and have the time to do both of that. That's ridiculous.
2: There are people who do it and I'm I'm my hat goes off to them honestly. They're amazing. Um, I have a few friends who went to school you know, who worked, went to school at night. So, like, Temple has a night program. Yeah. Uh, I think Widener has an evening program as well. So you can work for all day, go do your law classes at night. But I still tell people, like, that summer, whatever your job is, whatever you do for your school teacher, that's beautiful because you're going to have the summer yeah. off anyway. But if you do anything else, you can tell them, I'm quitting early. You know, <laughs> I know that there were some people when I was studying for the bar exam, I overheard some folks saying that they were applying for unemployment mm-hmm. because basically they quit and they were just using their unemployment income to supplement until they could start their lawyer job. Wow. wow.
1: That's so, when Adderall
0: really comes <laughs> in. Into- <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking like where I remember being in college and people were studying like and it would like to be nurses or doctors or whatever and like... I would see them in the library. It would be like Monday at 8 o'clock in the morning. And I'd come back on like Tuesday and the clothes haven't changed. Eyes, blood, shot red. (laughs) Seven cans of Red Bull. So that's what I'm envisioning, like hearing you tell this story. is like it's intense. You're locked in. It's like all you're focusing on. It's like your life essentially.
2: Yeah, everyone handles it differently, right? Everyone kind of deals with it differently. And you have to find what works for you and do that thing that works for you. For me, I was never, I was a library person around finals time. Mm -hmm. So I would go and I would like sit in the library and that's where I would study. But in general, I was, I could not be stuck there all day. Even now I can't be stuck in my office all day. I just don't, after a certain period of time, my brain is just not into it anymore. We have to leave. We got to go reset. I can come back, but I can't stay. I have to move around. I have to like give myself a break um, from it all. And it's true even about the profession, right? So it's like. Law school does feel really heavy. It is a heavy lift. So is the practice. And then when you get into the practice, you have to be even more intentional because you don't have summers off anymore. You don't have really a gaggle of peers around you who are saying, oh, yeah, like this Friday, let's go to a bar. You lose that. So once you've lost that, now you have to find your kind of network, your home, where you can both be a professional and do all the things you have to do, but then you can kind of leave that sphere and with other people who have something to lose because you have a lot to lose, um, you can go out and still kind of let loose and relax and re rediscover, if you will, your identity in a way.
1: Putting in all that time to ch- chase this career and then now having it, um, obviously you love what you do. Uh, is the payout like was it what you thought it was going to be as far as like, uh, you know, how do I word this? I'm not saying, like, financially. I'm just saying, like, mm-hmm. what you get from your job. Like, Is it rewarding? Rewarding.
2: I found that the access that I have now is even more rewarding than I thought it would be. And I don't mean access to, like, power or money or anything like that. I mean the fact that I have access to a network, a pool of resources that I have available kind of at the drop of a hat. And if someone calls me and says, hey, I need a lawyer who does X – Even if I don't have the answer, I know exactly where to go to look. I know exactly who to ask. And I can always kind of feed that resource back. That to me has been the most rewarding part of the profession of being a lawyer is that I know so many other lawyers. Mm -hmm. And to the extent that I know people who need lawyers for whatever reason, I'm like, oh no, this person, I can tell you, you can trust them, you can rely on them, they're going to do right by you. And they're going to do right by you if for no other reason than they would do right by me. And they know that I'm bringing you to them. Uh, so that has been, I would say, far and beyond the greatest reward. Um, you know, it's nice to have the quote-unquote prestige of the profession and to say, oh, yeah, I'm a lawyer, but I don't thrive on that. Yeah. I thrive on that because I want people to know that when you're talking to me, you're talking to somebody who knows something. And not that I know something, like I'm the smartest person. I know and something using like words that people won't know. I have— <laughs> <laughs> I know something like I, I have things and I, I can, I'm happy to give them. I'm happy to share what I have. So ask me so that I can share because that's, you know, I look for those opportunities.
0: And, and I'm, I'm glad that you said that you don't, like the satisfaction isn't from being a lawyer per se. Because I got to tell you, I haven't talked to a lot of lawyers in my life. <laughs> And some is- of these people are just fucking unreliable, bro. Like you would think for somebody who's putting in this much fucking work, yeah. that it would be like a fine-tuned machine. Like, I some like I had a I had a car accident a couple of years ago, and I'm like trying to figure out like what's going on. Give me an update. And I, oh yeah, I'll call you back. And it would be like two weeks later. And I call his, his I call his office, and I get his assistant, and it's like. Oh, oh, what's your name? Okay, let me see if he's available. I know he's fucking available <laughs> because I called his cell phone and sounded like he was having lunch. So That's yeah, good. call me fucking back. It's been two weeks, bro. Like y'all don't have like a a set like guide on how to operate these these
2: firms. Like I cannot comment on the behavior of another attorney. Yeah, you could. I you can just tell don't want you. To. I can tell you. I can tell you mm. that we have ethical guidelines that guide us and the expectation as a lawyer is to operate at a higher standard. Uh, The reality is sometimes, depending on the lawyer, depending on their practice, depending on the firm, depending on the supports that they have around them, that can be a lot harder. If you're a solo practitioner working by yourself, maybe you have one legal secretary who works part-time, it's a lot harder to keep up with all of the competing demands and meet overhead right? Like you run, you run a couple businesses. So you know something about meeting your overhead. So when you have to focus on, I have to do these things in order to pay the bills and keep the lights on here. And yes, this client called me, but I know that there's nothing pressing right now, or there's nothing, there's, I'm not going to say anything that's going to make them feel better. Sometimes you go, well, let me find something that I can give them that'll make them feel better first. And then I'll call them back or whatever. So sometimes things happen. Mm. Uh, I can't speak to that person or what happened there, but that's the truth. It's, if you define yourself by the practice, then things like that, saying you know, having knowing that you have a client that you haven't called back in two weeks, would crush you, right? If that was the, your sole source of satisfaction was like, I'm a lawyer and I take great pride in being a lawyer and that's the only thing I ever am is a lawyer, then it would, you, you would, because you fail, like you fail. We all struggle in yeah. life and no matter what you do for a living, at some point in time, you're not going to meet the standards. Yeah. You're either not going to meet your own standard or you're not going to meet the standard that's set for you. But when that happens, you have to have something else that you say, but I'm still this.
0: Okay. Mind if we get a little personal?
2: I mean, we here now.
0: Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> did you have both your parents growing up?
2: I did. I did have both my parents growing up. what they do? Um. <laughs> so my mom, <laughs> my mom was a licensed practical nurse. Um. She did not, she had her GED, and a trade school education. Shout out to mom. Um, Yeah, my mom was a goat. Uh, My dad (laughs) was a shade (laughs) (laughs) tree.
0: Here we
1: go.
2: My father was what you call a shade tree mechanic. Y'all know what that is?
0: A shade tree mechanic. Uh Uh-huh. Sounds like he cut tree branches. No, no, no. A shade
2: tree mechanic means he's a mechanic that works under the shade of a tree. Oh my God. That's some down south saying shit. A Um, tree mechanic. Yeah, so my dad, um, he, you know, he worked a few jobs. He worked a few different jobs um, growing up, but uh, he didn't, I don't know. I love my father. Mm -hmm. My father's amazing um, in that he did his best to be the best dad that he could be, Mm. to be everything that he knew his father was not. Um, But in my adulthood, I'm able to recognize that my dad was just limited in a lot of ways. And for a very long time, my father struggled with a drug addiction. Mm. And that made it even harder Mm -hmm. um, because to the extent he could understand that he was struggling with meeting, meeting the standard, meeting the expectation, he didn't have the appropriate tools to cope. And so then sometimes he would just kind of fall off. Um, But he was always there. He always knew where we were. Even now, he knows exactly, he doesn't know exactly where I am, but like, he knows I'm in Philadelphia. He has a thorough expectation that if he does not know where I am, my older brother, who's 16 years my senior, so my parents started really young, they were teenagers when they had my brother. Um, He has, you know, every expectation that, you know, okay, I don't know where she is, but he knows, like, the big head, as he calls him, like, the big head knows where she where, where she is and what's going on.
0: Well, I mean, even though it sounds like y'all had some struggles, they obviously delivered as parents because they raised at least two extremely bright kids, right? And you're, you both are very successful. Your brother is very successful as well. So, I mean, what would you then, like, I, I guess attribute to, your success is it? Has it been like something that they instilled in you, or was it just kind of like your personal drive? You felt like, oh, I just I gotta be a go getter. I gotta go do it.
2: No, I I never felt like I needed to be a go getter. I yeah. was never. I'm not a gunner oh, uh, in, law school, in law school. In law school, those people in law school, those people who like oh, nice. always have to be like the teacher's pet. Right, okay. that person who's always got to be on top. We call them gunners. Mm. I've never been a gunner.
1: Um, is in Philly means something completely different. (laughs) (laughs) Right, don't walk outside and say that. (laughs)
2: Um, But I've always felt like it was super important to be connected Mm. and to develop relationships and maintain strong relationships. So that, I think, comes from my family. I think that comes from my parents who taught me, you know, these are your siblings, these are your brothers, you know, the three of you guys, you stick together no matter what. And that was the start of my understanding of relationship. Going forward, it became, these are your siblings. You stick with them no matter what. And to the extent you find other good people, you can hold on to them too. They're still not your siblings. So if they transgress against your sibling, they've got to go. But as long as they're good to you, as long as they're good to the people who take care of you, the people who love you the most, they can stay around. And that's been a lot of my philosophy that guides the way I deal with people. That's why I try to be, you know, diligent when someone calls. I try to make sure I call back because I think my brand is more so about being friendly, more so about being connected and nurturing good connections. And I think that's been the biggest contributor to my success. Um, And my mother taught because she did not have an education and because my grandmother Did not have an education. My grandmother was functionally illiterate, um, as is my father, actually. Um, And so she taught her kids because she couldn't read. She taught her kids, you know, you go to school, you, you love your children. You know, these are the things you do in life. You go to school. When you grow up, if you have babies, you love your babies with all you have in you. And that's what your focus is. That's that's it. Once you have a kid, you kind of stop being important and now it's the child and you invest everything there. And so my mother's lessons out of that are family comes first and you pursue your education. And so it was always get your education and run. I was advised to kind of learn in Detroit until I grew got old enough, go away. Don't come back, don't look back. You know, you can come back and visit. You come, you hug, you kiss the babies. You wave and then you you go on. You go back to your life somewhere else because it's important to grow beyond where you are.
0: 100. Something it's something to say like about uh, people who have like hardships as like kids, you know, growing up. Like I don't know what it is. It's like <coughs> you you look at some people in their lives and they have everything, and you would think like, oh, this person's gonna be fucking great, mm-hmm. and then they turn out to be a little piece of shit, yeah. right? you know. And it's like. Like, hearing your story, your father's functionally illiterate. It Like, but here you are performing. It's like, you you could have the excuse. You could have every excuse in the world. Well, maybe not everyone. Uh, but, like, you didn't let that be a deterrent. Like, you didn't let that hold you back. And, you know, I, I got to give you your props because, I you know, my dad, my relationship with my dad isn't great. <clears throat> and I think there's, um there's at times things that, I've gone through dealing with him or, you know, lack thereof. And it's just like, it's like some of this stuff has come back to haunt me Mm -hmm. and I'm like processing it and, you know, going to therapy and dealing with all that shit. But, um, you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough having like that, that family history kind of hanging over you and, it impacting you in real time. Like, you know, maybe you, you saw your father doing drugs or maybe you didn't, whatever, but you knew it was happening. Mm-hmm. So it's like building this sense of anxiety, which could ultimately derail your whole fucking life. Yeah. But, you know,
1: you, you kept pushing. And, like, you know, i got to give you your props because that's, that's fucking tough to do. The, uh-huh. the most important thing I think that happens is having the willingness and the power to break a cycle within their family. Yeah. And that just doesn't happen regularly especially with people that are, you know, poverty. Uh, It's just they see it, right? It becomes their normality. And in order to break that chain, you have to have a different state of mind from the people that are in your life, your parents, your mom. And Mm -hmm. how do you do that as a kid growing up? You have to make that self-conscious decision that you don't want to be like them. I'm going to be the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. And then you take that right-hand turn while everybody else is taking that left turn, right? And then, you are you know, in that situation, you might feel isolated from your family, Mm Uh, because then they think, oh, this guy thinks he's better than me. Mm -hmm. I've experienced that a lot. Uh, And it's just like, no, I just wanted to change myself because I'm going to start my own family. And I don't want them to experience what I experienced. And it's so selfish for people to not think that way and to continue down that cycle and not break that chain um, because it's so easy to
0: just fall into it. It's, It's something about seeing someone else close to you succeed that, like, touches on your insecurity. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, damn. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. George has a beautiful family. He's got a great house. He has a great job. We grew up together. Like, what the fuck am I not doing? Or what's wrong with me? And people, you know, they they project that onto you. So it becomes like, oh, you think because you, you, think you got a new car. <laughs> she thinks because she go to the club and pop balls of Victoria. She, you know. <laughs> 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 like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's like, bro, like everybody's story is different. Everybody's yeah. struggle is different. And like, you got to be comfortable with like seeing other people succeed, being happy for them and knowing that it could be you. Because <laughs> like the way it works is, you know, you're going to be just as successful as the people around you. So if you're plugging yourself into these circles and you're, you're leading with an open mind and not being a dickhead there's a chance that there's room for you at the table mm-hmm. as opposed to you trying to pull them fucking away from the table. Like, you know, step your shit up.
2: I'll tell you, that's actually the genesis of get your education and run, right? Mm. Like that's where my mom got that notion from was this understanding that, look, you, my expectation is for you to exceed, to succeed. My expectation is that you will do well in life in general. Whatever it is you decide to do, you're going to do well. So in order to facilitate that, you're going to have to separate yourself. Mm-hmm. So you have to run. That's what the run is. And the stay gone is because you're not going to be able to come back and these people not try to pull you back down. Mm-hmm. Not to say that my family was bad, you know, my extended family, to say that they were bad or anything like that, but just that they couldn't understand. That yeah. a lot of them weren't of that mentality, weren't of the, the the idea that they could be more, that more could come, or that we could have something, right? My older brother runs his own firm. that You know, he has his own firm. And that firm is quite successful. So to that end, if I look up tomorrow and find myself unemployed or in need of a new job, or if I just want to go somewhere where I'm like safer, I mean, working for my brother is not easy, but if I wanted that experience, I could have that. Right. Uh, And to that end, we have cousins and things like that. And every now and then we get a call from a cousin or an uncle who's like, hey, I'm gonna come move. I'm to Philly with y'all. It's like, okay, come on. Well, you know, won't hire you off rip. Got to make sure you you're put serious. In the work as well. But you come out here, you're looking for a job, we're we're going to connect you. We're going to get you a job. We're going to get you set up, get you a nice place to live. You're going to be all right. And then if we find a way to expand this enterprise, my brother and I literally every other every other week, I'll say, are bouncing around like, "Hey, this is a good family business idea. Why don't we buy into this
1: franchise? Why yeah. don't we do that?" Yeah. Uh before we Yeah, I, I just want to say shout out to your mom for that because to tell your kid to do what you need to do and then go somewhere else is not an easy thing for oh, a parent. No. Um, I mean, I have, my boys are very young, but I can't imagine them telling them to go away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it's within, you know, for their better nature for, th- for them to succeed, then yeah, but there's no way that's an easy decision to make. So shout out to her for even being able to do that. hundred percent. So,
0: the whole point of us launching the Man K podcast originally, right, was to, I guess, like uplift and help as many young men or, you know, you know, men our age as possible, right? So being as though you're in, like, a male-dominated field, essentially, would you say that it's easier for men to be lawyers than it is for women? To be or to become? Either or. You can speak to both if you want.
2: So I'd say that historically— just by virtue of life in the world and particularly this country and how we've run things. Um, it is certainly easier or it has been historically easier for men to have access to most to like most specialized industries or really anything that's required anything that requires an education, right? A significant amount of education because for a long time, women just like people of color, were barred from education. And then when you got the education, you were barred from entering the profession. In, in this case, being a lawyer, you were barred from taking the bar exam. You, you couldn't even get in to take the test. So if you can't take the test, you certainly can't become a lawyer. And then, okay, we go, okay, it's fine. We'll let women into law schools. Okay, it's fine. We'll let women take the test. But then you still have to get the job. And then everybody's looking at you like, oh, but you're a lady lawyer. <laughs> and that's not so much that I, I, I don't believe that is, excuse me, as much the case now as it was 40 years ago. Uh, I certainly have professors and mentors who came up in an era, you know, those women who graduated law school in the mid 80s, early 80s, late 80s, in the 80s, I guess, uh, and then entered the practice they encountered a very different environment from that that we encounter today. So is it easier? I don't think there is a cut and dry answer. I think it depends on what you're trying to do, like the people word. that you encounter. It's the it's the lawyer's answer, that's actually. The law theory. school, the first <laughs> thing you learn, the answer to every question, it depends. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that's your first law lesson, y'all. Take that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you... It depends on what you encounter. Mm. But the overarching, like, generalization, the overarching answer would be, yeah, it's easier for men.
0: So so I saw, like, a statistic that said about a third of attorneys in the country are women. Mm-hmm. And it's on, like, an upward trajectory, apparently, meaning, like, at some point, women could possibly outpace men as being attorneys. So <clears throat> there's this, like talking point and they call it the manosphere which is basically like you know the internet where men go to talk shit and Whatever. That's you a know. place. The manosphere, yeah. It's, oh, like, wow. it's like the multiverse. You know, you all charge. Come on, you watch Avengers. Don't wow. you know, act like you don't know these things.
2: I'm, I didn't know the manosphere was a thing. The I, manosphere. I got George... like a
0: internet group chat. That's
1: well, crazy. I mean, <laughs> it's not easy to run either. You know,
0: you know what I'm saying? <laughs> George, I mean, me and George, we <laughs> on our way let to Let me the... find out. Let me
2: find out. George is the primary admin. <laughs> Listen. He owns the domain. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's like a, he got a secret username. Called, uh, <laughs> Darkhammer thirty-six. <laughs> Um, but not like th- men are always arguing that women are more emotional than they are logical, right? Mm-hmm. Would you say that being an attorney requires you to think logically or critically?
2: I think it requires you to use all parts of your brain, okay. you, you know, so it's going to require critical thinking. So you thinking. just going to dodge it's the question th- No, I'm, I'm hitting it head on. Okay. Why? She was about
1: to be like, it depends. Yeah, she was.
2: <laughs> no, no, it absolutely, it absolutely requires every part of your brain. So it okay. requires you to think logically. It requires you to think critically. But it also requires you to have emotional intelligence. Why good that? lawyers, good lawyers understand that this is a service industry. Mm-hmm. And so you work at the pleasure, essentially, of your client. You can fire a client and a client can fire you. So you have to both work with people that you can work with because there are difficult clients, but they're difficult. You know, there's difficult that you can tolerate and difficult that you can't. And, you know, you know this. Of course. You know, you in the service. Come on. Come I have to you. Preach. So, you know, you, you have to be strategic about your clients, but you also have to be strategic about how you handle your client because you have to understand, I don't have anything that's going to make my client feel better if I call them back today. So let me. Figure it out. Let me work something out. Come up with something that's gonna make them feel better. You know, what can I do to make it better for them? I'm gonna call my client back with something that's actually gonna help them, and that's what you do. But that requires emotional intelligence. Uh, so I don't, I don't have a. I, I'm not gonna comment <laughs> for y'all's sake on whether or not women think emotionally and. Oh, okay. You're gonna be <laughs>
0: a clip anyway. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I got what I need. Look, there you go. Thank you, George.
2: I'm just saying, like I, I. I won't. I won't interrupt the manosphere. Y'all discuss what y'all will there. <laughs> um, but, but I will tell you that in this profession, women uh, are equally as
0: equipped. Yeah, I love that you said that though, because, <laughs> and when when I hear that shit, it's always like you don't think people are like like human beings are complicated, yeah. but they're dynamic. Like mm-hmm. people can change depending on the situation. People get used to things. They learn how to do things. Women, women and men, like mm-hmm. equally. So mm-hmm. it's like. If you expect a woman to just be emotional all the time, you <laughs> probably shouldn't use that word.
1: Oh, there's my clip for Larry. Not use yeah, word. Yeah, you don't say that yeah. anymore. Uh, Wait, what was it? What did you I say? say? <laughs> I said you're an <laughs> idiot.
0: Some, something's wrong with you if you think that women. <laughs> <laughs> if you think there you go, women, say it that way. Oh, say oh, it that way. That's better. If you think females. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I'm going to have too much fun <laughs> with that shit. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, if you think women are incapable of thinking logically, you're stupid. Because they're just as equally as capable as, as men are. Like, and obviously, in certain situations, they're going to be more emotional because it depends on the situation. But it's like, I, I don't understand why people have this this narrative. And I'm sitting here talking to you. You're stoic. You know, you, you've got everything figured out. She already knows what she's going to say before she says it. So it's like... I would have a hard time getting an emotional response out of you unless I said something crazy, right?
2: Well, okay, so two things. Um, one, I'm gonna come back to the stoic thing. Okay. I hope I don't forget to do that. I'm gonna come back you to the stoic. You know what sto- that means, by
1: the way? I, I know, know what that means. Let know. I know what that means. Explain and in fact, I'll give you
2: now. I'll give you an example okay. of a time somebody called me stoic and ever since then I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think the no, get emotional now. <laughs> I think it's I think the, the telling thing isn't so much... I, I, well, I guess the point isn't so much that women are more emotional than men. Mm. I think women have been placed in a position where we are permitted to be more emotional than y'all have been. I agree. So y'all have turned that part of your brains off a lot of the time, and we have been granted permission to live there. Uh, I think some women make a choice that... You know, OK, I'm going to lean into that and I'm going to manipulate that. Of course. Um, but I, I think generally speaking, people are trying their best to do things the way that they know how to do them. And we've been allowed to have a little more emotion. But I'll tell you, I've never I've never cried in front of anybody at work. So, like, I don't understand it. Like, I, you know, it's not, that doesn't make me stoic. It makes me a professional. Mm. It means I have, I have a job I have to do. And it doesn't matter how I feel right now or what you said to me, I have to do my job. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do my job. And then later, however I feel about it, you know, y'all might get upset and, you know, you leave the job and you storm out and you slam the doors, whatever. But that doesn't, No, you know, we go to liquor. Whatever. You know, Whatever. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you this, as a black woman, it's even more interesting because I'm no, not
1: <laughs> That's my favorite joke. This man.
2: <laughs> as a black woman, it's even more difficult because I can't show I can't be soft at work because I can't be all emotional and oh, because she's a woman. Mm-hmm. And I can't get mad. Then you're I can't get mad. Woman. Ain't that crazy? <laughs> And they be doing stuff to make you mad. Yeah. But then you like can't let that show. You can't let that, show. What you what can't they let that show. You know, they'll, they'll say things. You know, the all of the all of the microaggressions that we experience in everyday life, mm-hmm. you are liable to encounter at work because you're still just dealing with other people. You're dealing with people who come from different backgrounds, have different life experiences. People are going to say things to you. And I'm like, oh, that's how you feel. Okay. Yeah. You know, like I have a co- I had, I had a colleague um, who I spoke one day. Like I said, good morning, you know, how's it going? Didn't respond to me. Mm -hmm. Happened again. Said, Hey, good morning, how's it going? Didn't speak to me. After like the third or fourth time. Now, if I had permission to respond the way I would have, I would have said it louder. (laughs) Right, would have put myself in a position where you got you have Mm -hmm. to see me now. You gotta walk past me. Mm -hmm. Good morning. But I can't do that, because then I'd be the angry black woman in the Mm -hmm. office. So I just said, Okay. He and I will not speak, so I will not greet him anymore. You know, and I have this understanding. He's gonna come in and walk past me like he don't see me, and that's fine. I'm gonna act like I don't see him either. Oh, there was a shadow. Where did that go? You know? <laughs> but that's, you know. But you have to come to that place uh, where you're able to manage yourself. But I think the only reason women are categorized as being more emotional is because y'all are told have no emotions. And then, oh, yeah, because that's for women. That's a girl thing. Do you Pink th- is for girls. Blue is for boys.
0: Are, type you, stuff. are you in a relationship right now? Oh, it's complicated. It depends. Is this
2: edited? No, no, no,
0: no. Definitely not this part. Might <laughs> edit every goddamn thing in this episode. We're going to keep this one.
2: I will. <laughs> oh. Uh, I will. I will only comment that my left hand is naked. That's oh, all okay. I got.
0: To say. Oh, fair enough. Okay. So, say. fellas, you heard that? If her, if she ain't no ring on her finger, she's single.
1: And what's your Instagram?
2: <laughs> 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 it's private, so I gotta, I gotta approve. I gotta approve the follow request anyway. Do
0: Do you think your um your success and like your mentality makes it difficult for you in the dating place?
2: Like, to date? Yeah. I, I just clicked. That was nice. I'm like, That's something right. like that. Yeah, um, gonna keep
0: that too. She a little ratchet, y'all. Shady. Little, Shady. A with a little sprinkler cannot, ratchet. Cannot
2: be trusted. Uh, so, <laughs> reckless. Uh, so, do I think it's made it more difficult to date? No. I would not say so. Okay. Uh, because I think, I, I, well, I guess when I talk about I guess, in terms of time, right? Having the time to entertain of or course. the bandwidth. Of course. Right? Because I'm busy. And yeah. just like, a, at a certain point, it's just like, all right, dude, I don't have time. Yeah. You know? And But what I think that has done for me is it's forced me to exercise discernment in a way that's a little different. Mm. So if I, you know, encounter you and, you know, okay, we went out once or twice and, uh, you know, I'm, I really have to be honest with myself about whether or not I'm interested because my time is that much more valuable now. Because, one... My firm pays me for how many hours I bill on a case, on a matter. And two, they bill the client based on that. And my metric, what they use, my KPI, right? My key performance indicator is how much money they make off of me in a year. So... Since that's what they're looking for, I, my time is my time is quite literally money. I bill in six-minute increments. You want my phone number? That's fine. This needs to be a quick conversation because you ain't got $35 to pay me for it. You know what I mean? Like, that's, like, that's, that's what it is. Um, so, in that sense, because of time, yes, I don't think, you know, someone finds out I'm a lawyer and they're like, intimidated and they shrink away. At oh, not good to know. Time. Good to know. Maybe that's
1: happening. I don't, but I don't know. I that feel like happening. that... that uh, I don't know where that comes from, where like, oh, men are intimidated by successful women. Cause I would never be. Like if you're successful, I fucking love that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. I don't know the state of mind. I guess it just has to be like a weaker minded dude. But have you is that something you've experienced on a regular dating?
2: So real quick, you say you don't know where that came from, but your homeboy sat here and according to y'all, the only reason I got to take the mic over from him was that he was intimidated. So I think maybe he was trying not to holler the too basis. So he was like, "Yeah, sure, come on." In. Then he there must have right. been intimidated because he never said anything to me.
0: Oh. Well, you <laughs> you kind of got to get to know him a little
1: bit better because
0: yeah, uh, he was thinking about some other shit the minute that he walked out of here. I promise you, like
1: he's not he's not a good example. <laughs> I love him to death. Not a good example. <laughs>
2: I guess he don't take his tips from the manosphere. No. Uh, nah. <laughs> I don't know where he gets his information from. That man is a free thinker. man looks at the sky <laughs> thinker. and see whatever the stars tells him.
0: Yeah, that is. Uh
2: but uh, I would say so the idea that men are intimidated it's not so much an idea. It's this it's you you can observe in someone a change in how they deal with you, right? And so you say, "Oh yeah, well this is what I do, this is what I have, this is my life experience." And if you find that they treat you differently on the back end of you saying that, the logical explanation is something I said disrupted them, something I said bothered them, and it is causing them to behave in this way. And sometimes that, that thing that you said is what you do, and their response is defensive, Right. So if I tell you, oh, yeah, I'm a lawyer and then you feel the need to tell me to defend to me all the things that you do and how you get into this money and I'm doing this, and I, you know, I guess money, though, baby, I be doing that. You feel the need to do all that. You, you feel intimidated. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't trying to flex. I You asked me what I do. I answered the question. I wasn't trying to tell, oh, yeah, I'm a lawyer. So I'm this.
1: And as a naked left hander. Is that something that you experience regularly? Like you tell the man, "Oh, I'm a lawyer," and then you notice that they kind of start being like, "Well, you know, I could do this." You know, I have you. Is that something you experience a lot?
2: I wouldn't say regularly. Uh, I will say that I've experienced it, and sometimes it doesn't right away strike me as, "Oh, this person is intimidated." Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just okay. Like he's trying to, you know, he may feel like he's not quite doing enough, and so he needs to to match. Yeah, so he's trying to put up a little bit, Uh, but then you can you know, the thing that they do after that and the action after that, mm-hmm. after a while, the actions start to add up and you're like, Oh, you're bothered by this. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're uncomfortable okay. with the fact that this is what I do.
0: So all of these dudes that you're basically ducking, um, <coughs> do do you have like a general idea for what they do for work? Like, do they make, I guess my, my bigger question is like, do they make less money than you? Uh, uh that, uh, Let's yes. just think about yes. the guy that you're currently, yes. currently yes. ducking. Yes. Yes. Okay. And
2: we're not going to go into numbers. We're okay. We're just going to say yes. He
0: makes less money than you. Okay. And do you personally have a problem with that? That a guy makes less money than you?
2: Not, not, I I don't have a problem with what you make. Okay. I have a problem. So I think, aren't we, we look at, you know, in family court, <laughs> y'all ain't going to like this. In family court. When they're doing the assessment of child support mm-hmm. and and sometimes with alimony and spousal support, they look at your income potential, your earning capacity, mm. how much can you make. Mm. And I have a problem with men who have limited earning capacities because they limit themselves. If you are limiting yourself, meaning you don't have, you could go make a lot of money, but you're just like, oh, I'd rather sit at home and play video games. Mm.
0: Oh, here we it's go. not gonna
2: work for me And it's not that You can't play the game You <sighs> can play the game You can a- Have Thank you fun. Thank you Thank Enjoy you for expounding Enjoy your Xbox okay. Enjoy your Playstation Whatever your thing is do it, mm-hmm. uh, do it. If it makes you happy, if it's your stress relief, whatever it is, <laughs> I ain't got nothing to do with that. <laughs> uh, you heard you know. it from the <laughs> it Whatever, if that's how you decompress, like mm-hmm. everybody has to have their thing. Yes. And honestly, I'd rather have you at home playing the game than out at a strip club. So yes, please. That's what we need to do. Larry, more strip clubs. Gonna be like, Yo, just take take the fucking game. game to the strip club, <laughs> nigga. We up. The strip. We please up. <laughs> Y'all ain't got to take like, Don't do that. <laughs> 'Cause they still gonna expect you to tip and then they're gonna take the PlayStation when oh, you don't shit. tip enough. Man. Don't do that. You're gonna lose that whole PS five. <laughs> um, but yeah, so no, yes, I you know, I think that men do a much better job of having recreational activities, right? They have their own little hobbies and things like that. And I've heard the critique from men who I'm sure are hanging out in the manosphere. I've heard the critique that you point <laughs> at me like I actually run it. That women don't have hobbies. Right. So the, some other podcast kind of similar to you guys. I can't remember which no, one. Nobody's similar. Ago, um, They had that. Someone was saying like, yeah, you know, these women, they don't have any hobbies. Like all they do is work and scroll on Instagram. And I'm like, yes, because scrolling on Instagram is my that that is my release. I, I can turn my brain off and it doesn't matter what I see. I can keep scrolling. And when I get tired <laughs> of scrolling, I can go. You know, for me, I like jigsaw puzzles. I turn it off. Go do a jigsaw puzzle, put a basketball game on the TV mm-hmm. and do a puzzle. Like, that's my thing. I like sports. I like puzzles. It's a nice little way to decompress. But, so so, to that end, you can play the game. But if all you do is play the game, or if you play the game and you play the game all day, say you work a night shift, right? Some little, you work like a, you know, I don't want to say a little job because that's (laughs) black people being pejorative. Um, But you work a job that puts you on a night shift. Right. And so maybe you can make great money, you know, working a night shift or working a varied schedule. You make good money. You work your job and you're like, okay, well, I'm home all day. So I'm just going to sleep and play the game. Okay, cool. That's your choice. I would still say to the extent you have extra hours in your day, you're kind of limiting your earning capacity. And so if you say, oh, yeah, well, I would like to do this, but I don't have time. But you have time to sleep during the day and you have time to play the game all day. And then it's like, oh, well, I got to rush to work. And you late to work. Well, hold on, dog. You you got time. You got time. Because you had time to play the game. You had time to, to sleep more than like the allocated like 8 to 10 hours. You sleeping 12, 16 hours. You working a little four-hour gig. And then you coming back telling me I ain't got time to do nothing else. How that happen? Mm-hmm. Where did your hours go? We had the same 24 hours in this day. And you know, and it's not to say that people don't waste time, it's not to say that you don't struggle with focus. We all do. I'm honest with myself when I'm like, yeah, today hasn't been a productive day. Mm-hmm. So that's fine. But if you feel like, no, my day was perfectly productive. I worked eight hours from home in my boxers and I didn't do anything after work. I just kind of sat here. But man, I'd really like to get XYZ certification. Or I'd really like to do ABC. If you have things that you still need to do or want to do on your list at the end of the day and you haven't made any headway, but you had time to do other nonsense, you're limiting your earning capacity. So I have a problem with men who limit their earning capacity and then say, oh, well, what did
0: you want me to do? So what if he's out working all day? Or would you be cool with that?
2: If he's out working all day. Yeah. work. But you work. But you would
0: be fine with that he got to work pay your com- bills if he's come if he's working 12 hours mean? and then he's home with you for 2 hours y'all watching TV or something and then y'all going to bed
1: like yeah. the, what he's saying is like now it's pretty much the opposite yeah. of what you're saying so you barely see him now because he's working so much is that what you'd rather have
2: i think it would be i think that would be its own set of frustrating and you'd have a unique set of challenges that you'd have to work around so okay he's got to work 12 hours maybe we need to talk about how we can take what you do now and leverage it so that you can work less time and make the same amount
0: of money or more. I agree with that. <clears throat> so, uh, like in terms of and obviously Valentine's Day is coming up, right? So we want to get Sam, make sure she get that thing on her finger. Right. right.
1: Uh-oh. <laughs>
0: What, what would you say as a successful black woman you look for in a man outside of somebody who doesn't play video games all day? Somebody <laughs> who doesn't sleep longer than eight hours? <laughs> like, uh, somebody who knows what extemporaneous means? <laughs> like.
2: You ain't even got to know what extemporaneous <laughs> means. I'll explain to you. I'll oh, get on, <laughs> um, I think, I think the thing that driven people, not just women, I think driven people largely look for partners who share a vision, Mm -hmm. like an end goal, right? Because life, relationships, marriage, all of that stuff is about a vision for the end goal. We want the same thing. Mm -hmm. And we're going to work together in whatever capacity we have to, to get to the end goal. So if the end goal is, you know, two kids, white picket fence in the suburbs, what do we each have to do to get to two kids, white picket fence in the suburbs and have that be sustainable? That, to me, is the most important thing. And then I need a partner who's actually going to see the vision, have the vision with me, and then be a coworker, be a colleague in achieving the vision. It's not enough for you to be like, oh, yeah, baby, I want that too. I want that too. I want that too. Okay? How are we getting there? Mm -hmm. Help me. Like, you don't have to be, I'm not going to make you be the visionary by yourself. You don't have to see it all. Mm -hmm. You just have to see some of it. And if you can meet me somewhere along the way, like, okay, well, I see that this is what we want. I understand this is what we're going to do. These are the things that I can do. So you need to know yourself. You need to know your, you know, what are your strengths? What do I bring to this? And then how can I contribute that to this partnership to make the partnership successful? Same thing with business partners. You look for people who see the vision, you know, okay, cool. We're going to open a business. The goal is for us to be the top name in in. Graphic design, right? right? We're going to be the top name in graphic design. Well, I'm not really an artist, but I'm really good with a business plan. I'm really good at marketing. And he's really good at the design. So that's my graphic designer. He can design anything. He can make something out of nothing. Business plan. We got the vision. We go for it. Everybody brings their strengths. You pull them together and you create something. That's what I'm looking for.
0: I love everything that you said, unfortunately. Um, (laughs) And I wish that more men understood that um, having... Like a competent, successful, intelligent partner only will benefit you
1: mm-hmm.
0: because there are times when, you know, I'm working on something or I'm trying to build something out or I have an idea or whatever that I'm working on. And I know I have somebody at home, I can call them like, like listen, I got this idea or what do you think about this? Yeah, and you also and have Abby. If she's swinging on you, bro, I ain't got nothing to do with that. <laughs> But yeah, like I I had, because what people don't, I don't think a lot of men realize is like, yeah, you can be the head of the household. And if you want to, you know, carry yourself as like, oh, you're the head, you're this, you're that. You have to understand that, yes, you have another person living with you or you have another person that's attached to you. And that person should not be dead fucking weight. Mm -hmm. Like you should want your partner to be capable because she can Mm -hmm. benefit your life, your business, you know, your hobbies, whatever it is. If she chooses to, you know what I mean. Like so, I this love gonna, that you said that. This is gonna that. sound funny, um, that?
2: you know, because you, you said head of household. This is a soundbite. This is sound soundbite. This is sound soundbite. I'm gonna give y'all. And yeah, yeah. I got get. you. I got you. This is sound soundbite. So y'all, you talk about being the head of the household, right? Mm-hmm. You ever seen? It? You ever seen somebody with no neck?
0: Uh, yeah, I did see one dude <laughs> with no neck. I've
1: actually <laughs> seen it a couple times. You go to the gym? They don't got necks in the gym.
0: Remember, Florida man with the neck? Yeah.
2: <laughs> so every head, every head sits on a neck, right? Yeah. And if you have a stiff neck, right? A neck mm-hmm. that's not going to work with you. It's not giving anything. It's just going to sit there. That's not useful to you cuz now you got to turn your whole Yeah. You know what I mean? You're you're never going to get anything done. Yeah. But you also don't want a loose neck that just kind of does whatever cuz that's that's no support. Yeah. You're not getting anything to uplift you. Mm-hmm. You need a neck that's going to be sturdy, that's going to be flexible, that's going to work with you. So the way the way I was kind of taught was Yes, man is the head of the household. The woman is the neck. You you serve to support. You but serve to it. uplift. But you also serve. You also serve to guide the direction. Right? Because if your neck say you looking left, that's whether you want to or not. You you got to turn. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's what the, that's what the one, it, in my, like, in my analogy, in my view of it, that's how the woman starts. I heard that saying. Yeah. Before.
0: And I knew she heard that at church. The minute she says something. My um, mama
2: was a preacher. Yeah. <laughs> I got it from her. She preached a whole like, sermon about it. <laughs> I was
0: like, this is something she heard on Sunday. <laughs> Had to be. Because ain't nobody <laughs> off the street just about to fucking come up with this whole yeah. thing <laughs> that you got going on here. Thing. So now that we know every man needs good neck. Um.
1: Yes. That's, that's what I heard. That's what I heard too. Uh,
0: usually for like the last like segment of the show, whatever we like to fuck around a little bit. Oh lord. See how you feel about certain topics. Mm. And uh, the one that I had usually George leaves with this, but I I had to I had to do this one because me and Abby go back and forth about this a lot. So I'm kind of curious to to get your input. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> do you know this young lady by the name of Lori Harvey? Yes. You do. Yes. Why are you so enthusiastic about because
2: it? Because I'm, I'm anxious to see what you're about to ask are, are you really? Yeah.
0: What do you think about her, like, dating life? You think that's that's nice and healthy?
2: Well, the first thing I have to say is it don't matter what I think about Lori Harvey's dating life. At the okay. end of the day, her last name's still going to be Harvey. Her daddy's still going to take care of her if none of the men do. And that's her business. But uh, <laughs> whether or not I think it's healthy,
0: mm-hmm.
2: I don't know because I'm not... Um, I don't know about y'all, but I've never been in the room with them, so I don't know what y'all be doing in the manosphere. But like, I'm not there. Mm. Uh, I think Lori she has took
1: access. That manosphere shit. It just oh yeah. And oh ran yeah. We. we <laughs> I'm never letting that one
2: go. Okay. I'm gonna be in the YouTube comment section. Like, oh, I hope you all enjoyed the yes. manosphere this week. Like, <laughs> like, yep, this is going down. Um, but I think, I think Lori Harvey is doing. She's dating. She's mm. just dating. She's doing what 20 somethings do, Mm. right? And it just so happens that she, because of her status, because (laughs) of the world she lives in, she has access to that, like a different caliber of men. So when she's dating casually or, you know, seeing how she feels about something, she gets to stumble upon Michael B. Jordan.
0: Who and I think that's that, nice. Yeah. First of all, that's outrageous that you stumble across fucking Michael B. Jordan. Well, who dates that fucking much as a 20-something-year-old? Is that is, is that mean? normal? Is that normal? Look here, sir.
2: Wait, did single, single. Didn't, did a, didn't a Taylor Swift have 50 hashtag, guys before she was 30? Hashtag, sing, hashtag team single till married. Right. Oh my god. Um, what the hell is hashtag that? Hashtag oh. team single till Team Single to Mary. That's the millennial in me that still uses hashtags. Oh it's cool. <laughs> oh but um no, I think she cause she's a, she's a twenty something. She's not a forty something. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? She's not, and she is not of a socioeconomic class where she needs to marry to protect her status, True. where she needs to marry to, you know, preserve her life. She has no children. Mm-hmm. She doesn't need a dad for her kids. She doesn't, she doesn't need that. Mm-hmm. She doesn't need it. So if you don't need it, why why, why are women expected? Like, why does a woman have to settle down in her 20s? Larry, can I ask you a question? Maybe. How
0: old are you? I'm 32. Uh,
2: uh-huh, uh-huh. And when did you get engaged?
0: Uh, this year. Oh mm. well, actually, no, How? a couple months ago. How
2: old were you when you proposed?
0: 31.
2: Mm, okay. Okay. So now no, me, we, we will me. excuse. I'm a
1: break. All, no, 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 statistic. no, no, <laughs> not you. We're not
2: using you. Cause let me tell you something. Let me tell you something, George. Uh, the thing I know is this. I made decisions when I was in high school that I would not make today mm-hmm. no, agree. at I 28. No. <laughs> I think right? everybody could say that. Yeah. Okay. All right. And there are decisions I made in my twenties that you know in my earlier twenties that I look back today and I'm like, huh, might not have made those.
0: Mm, I think Lori's with
2: age, with age, we have the benefit of wisdom. We have the benefit of greater knowledge. We have all of those lived experiences that are behind us that allow us to make the better decision the next day. So I think you end up where you belong eventually. Like, you know, Larry, I I know a little bit more because I know your family. Mm, But like Barely Yeah (laughs)
0: You know, you know, like a a fucking percentage, like a single I do. digit. Sure. Yeah.
2: No, I don't know every. I'm not talking, but I'm talking about how much I know about your life, oh, okay. <laughs> your okay. individual okay. <laughs> life experiences. Um, but so, like, I I understand that maybe you wanted to settle down earlier than you did, mm-hmm. but you still find yourself in your thirties now, mm-hmm. engaged. You you weren't, you know. You were not with your forever partner. No. In your 20s. No. You know, in your early 20s. So I think Lori Harvey is, you know, she's checking out the scene. She's, you know, not checking out the scene. Maybe she aspires to marriage. Maybe she does. I don't know because I haven't asked her and I Wasn't didn't even read the magazine just, article about it.
1: Or they were just dating. He asked her to Michael
2: marry. Michael B. Jordan proposed. Right. And she said no.
1: No, she he didn't. Okay. He didn't. I, I
2: thought he I don't know. proposed. No, They just broke up. Okay. I they I just swear broke
1: did.
0: up. Well, do you want to know what That her was a rumor.
2: That was a rumor.
0: You want to know what her father thinks about about her? The, the guy who's supposed to be like the coach, act like a woman, think like a whatever you want. Yeah, act like a lady, think yeah. like a man. Uh-huh. You want to know what he thinks what about- he thinks? Oh, Tell I'm, me. I'm, I'm Ooh, you. you got a clip? I do. Ooh, I ain't send this one to you. See. I like to like surprise my attorneys. Here we go. Okay, let me
1: see.
2: You know He's what? That's like why you—that's why you horrible in a deposition right
1: all, there. That's cool. It's
2: all that's good. why you horrible. Hey, in you I'm bad so you, don't got you up, a so you bad don't client. You a bad client. You surprising your lawyer, uh-huh. not your lawyer. my
1: boys. I you got them straight it? at a young age. Mm-hmm. Right, but girl. my daughters, um, I have this rule. I never put my hands on them because I don't want them to think it's okay
2: for a man to put his hands on them. So uh, they kind of. Take advantage of that, I think, um, and have me
1: wrapped around their fingers. Yeah. So uh, my question is, do you have any advice as a father of girls yourself on disciplining your daughters? No. No. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Look at you draining from ear to ear hearing that shit.
1: Ain't got nothing for you, player. Sorry about that. I got four daughters. I've never hit spanked one of them because I too didn't want them to equate a man's love with physical abuse, so I've never hit them. They've taken full advantage of it. <laughs> I'm completely and totally wrapped around my daughter's fingers. I give them everything they asked me for. I've never turned them down. I've bought them everything they've ever wanted. I've traveled, I've bought horses, cars, houses. I have ruined my daughter's <laughs> All four of them girls is spoiled. So if you come for one of Steve Harvey's daughters, if you're not in the spoiler woman business, keep moving.
0: Perfect.
2: Yep. Perfect. Come on. You think you about to get a sound bite off me? Come
0: on. Come, Let so me see you, what you got. you You in full agreement with her bullshit ass behavior out here and her own father just admitted
2: what he admit? What that, he admit? That, that, he, no, he what, what he admitted?
0: There's not no what consequences that said. to any one of their
2: behaviors. Oh, hold up, hold up, hold up! Y'all will not. What you will not do is speak ill of Steve Harvey's parenting. Do he you understand that man will walk in here right now and
0: dog walk both of
2: y'all? He probably <laughs> would,
0: but I would expect it for a nigga who got thirty years on me. <laughs> but he admitted it himself. He fucked up. No, he didn't. That's
2: not what he said. If the what quote he said,
1: is I ruined my daughters, <laughs> I can't take that in a positive light.
2: No, that's if you if if you stop the quote at I ruined my daughters. What he means is he's made it difficult for his daughters Impossible. to uh, okay, call it what you want. <laughs> that's
1: just what
2: it is. Sounds like little L T E to me, but you know, whatever. <laughs> um <laughs> I think when he says that and I I can I can relate. I can relate to Lori Harvey's situation, right? I can relate to kind of the I can relate to what Steve Harvey is saying. Not because I was the father who ruined my daughter, mm. but because I've heard I've had it said to me that my goal is, right? My older brother has said to me, My goal is to make it such that your standard is so high that it's difficult. Not that it's impossible. Well, nobody's trying to make it impossible, but you're trying to make it difficult for you to be impressed. You know, there's a there's like a if Michael Instagram B.
1: Jordan failed. Oof. You don't know who
2: Michael B. Jordan is in real life. That's a joke. I just know that he's no, fucking No, I know. The I'm just yeah. he's good looking. He good looking, and he got money. But th- that doesn't that doesn't win the day. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mm-hmm. win the day, right? And that's what the goal is. The goal is to make it such that no man can buy her. That's mm. the truth. Like we look at Lori Harvey. and It's like oh, she got everything. She had everything. She had this. She had that. But she can't be bought. Mm. She can't be bought. And that's what that means. When he says, I've ruined my daughters, he means they can't be bought. They're spoiled. So you have to spoil her. That's an expectation. And then beyond that, you have to be a good man. You have to be a man of your word. You have to be a man of honor. You know, so it's like, you got to be a good person and you got to spoil her. That's why I've ruined her. I haven't ruined her because she, you know, she, she. That that's why he says that he's ruined her. Not because there's anything wrong with her or that he's made her un- unmanageable but just that the the standard is high the standard is set high and in my opinion men who prioritize or or put a high premium on providing on on taking care of their families you will you will in some respect some way or another you will ruin your person you will ruin your child you will ruin the subject not because not because you've done them harm. Not you know, ruin is a harsh word, but for example, my mother was one who was incredibly loving, incredibly affectionate. So I grew up in a house where we said I love you all the time. The verbal like the verbal expression of love, words of affirmation, physical affection, hugs, kisses, things like that. Come here, let me see you. Let me take a look at you. That kind of stuff was very common in my house. So because of that, I don't do well with men who are distant, who are physically like not not so much that like it needs to
0: emotionally be like, distant, nat- yeah. emotionally distant. Not
2: emotionally distant or or even sometimes physically distant. Because there are some men who are just like, oh, I don't do PDA. It's like, okay, you don't have to do PDA, but like if we're in the house by ourselves and you walk past me and you don't like, hey honey, you know, little little peck on the cheek, little something, I'm gonna feel not some type like I won't feel rejected, but it's important to me. That level of affection, saying I love you, the verbal affirmation of I love you mm-hmm. is important to me because that's the kind of like life that I had. I was spoiled in that way. So I guess you could say I was ruined in that regard. Yep.
0: So if I came to you and I said, hey, I want to I go to law school and your words literally were, you know, I said, I'm, I'm coming to you for advice, obviously. And your words to me were, I have nothing for you. Does that? tell me that you were successful in what you did or the opposite
2: I don't understand the question
0: So if I'm looking for advice from you mm-hmm. and you said I can't help you I have nothing for you does that tell me that you feel like successful in in your in your methodology?
2: It may mean that the person is you know struggling with direction. Um, maybe having a hard time. So they're having a hard time feeling guided or feeling like they have direction or like they know where they're going. So they're having a hard, you can't, I can't tell you where to, it's the blind leading the blind, right? I can't tell you where to go if I don't know where I'm going. Mm. Uh, but I think that, I think that's why my my first piece of advice to anybody is if you want to go to law school, decide where you want to
0: go. I mean, I only asked you that because Steve' advice to, you know, the guy in the audience was, I don't have any. Like it's that so you know, you can say, you know, from your perspective, he didn't ruin her in the sense that we're, you know, we're kinda like pitching. It's mm-hmm. but but that's not it's not what it sounded like. And he looked quite flabbergasted if well, I'm being honest. If we can add that to the to the list of words <laughs> that I, I have I happen to know. You know what I'm saying? Well,
2: the gentleman asked a very directed question. Right. His question was specifically about how do you discipline your child. And Steve Harvey's daughters, from what I know, I'm not sure, but they're all adults now. yeah, they're all adults and he has he what he's saying is I didn't spank them when they were little girls. I didn't put my hands on them because I was worried about them and in fact, I gave them everything that they wanted. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, you're asking me to tell you how to physically discipline a child or how to discipline or instill some form of discipline against a child. And I can't tell you because I didn't do it. Mm. And now I have adult daughters. And now how you consult, how you advise adult women is different from how you discipline a child. Because once once a person is grown, you like I know mom, mamas, mamas will say that you are never too old or too big to get a whooping. And I'm not saying that's wrong. But if you are a parent who has never whooped your child, and you start whooping on an adult, that's a fight. <laughs> that's that a is. fight at that point. Yeah. That's not that that's not a whooping. That's not discipline. That's yeah. a fight. That that's different. So he can't tell him how to, you know, how to discipline a little kid because Steve Harvey's like, I don't know, I never thought about that. He never thought about
1: that. So my question comes to like, obviously I don't have daughters, I have two boys. Um and the toughest thing that a lot of guys like my, like me is like having a daughter, like how do you, because everybody has to understand consequences to their actions. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you are. You, what you do, if it's wrong, you have to have some kind of consequence to it, mm-hmm. right? If I have a daughter and she's wrapped around my finger and she gets away with murder. Opposite. You're wrapped around her finger. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And anything that she does has no repercussion to it. Am I properly raising her how like it
2: it depends and i i don't um (laughs) i've met your wife but i don't know her that well uh i think the reality is you know in my house my dad was not my father was not the disciplinarian Mm -hmm. not that he wasn't like my dad would yell he was a yeller he was a loud man he is a loud man he still is um a very loud man but my mother was the disciplinarian and sometimes my dad would step in and go, "Hey, like, don't threaten the kids if you're not actually gonna whoop them. Like, don't threaten to whoop them if you're not gonna whoop them, because that's not fair." Mm. You know, he would say stuff like that. Uh, but it didn't, by no stretch of the by by no stretch of the imagination, was I did I think I had him wrapped around my finger. I, I didn't think that I controlled him. Um, I just understood that my father didn't believe in like my he didn't not believe in it, but he didn't espouse corporal punishment for real. So it wasn't his thing. Uh, I think you can discipline a child, even your daughter, in a way that is firm and direct and provides guidance without making, without demeaning them, without, you know, making them feel small or stupid, because I think that's what some, I think that's where parents go wrong, right? Like, my mother used to say she had three options as a parent. She could say, you know, okay, I don't care, and let you go on and do whatever you want. She could talk to you till she was blue in the face. Or <laughs> this one is not really a thing, but she would say, or she could spank you. Those are my three options. It's mm-hmm. like, I'm never going to choose option number one. So I've really only got two options. I've talked to you about X, Y, Z situation until I'm blue in the face. And now this is where you ended up. So what do you want me to, to, She wouldn't say, what do you want me to do? Because I think that's mental torture. But she'd be like, well, I've talked to you about it. We haven't gotten anywhere. So this is, you know, I think this is the only way to get the message through. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think you really can, if you establish from an early age, you know, I understand you're a child, but I also understand that you're a person. You understand the language that I'm speaking to you. You know what words mean. I'm telling you that you did this. It's improper because, and this is what you will do going forward. That is the expectation of you. That is the level that, to which you have to perform, whatever the case may be. Mm. Um, you know, so you can, you can set that out for a child without... Harming them. And what you teach then is that love is sometimes correction. Sometimes loving someone is correcting them. You know, you see your friend walking out and they got, you know, uh, my friends do it for me all the time. I walk out, sometimes I look crazy. My friend's like, get you, like, dog, your, your situation, Get your, get yourself together. <laughs> You know, and and that's correction. And sometimes love is correction. Sometimes love is saying, "Hey, look, you said this, and it made me feel that, and you know, I'd, I'd like it if you wouldn't do that again." That's that's correction. And you can do it without yelling. You can do it without fussing, cussing. You ain't got to do any of that. You can simply communicate. Mm-hmm. But it takes, I mean, and I think a lot of us have to do work. We got to go through therapy. We got to talk. We got to learn how to talk. And then once we learn how to do that, you're able to talk to a child and tell a child what you need them to do and what you expect of them. And very few children I find really need to be yelled at. Most kids don't need to be yelled at. When you find a child that needs to be yelled at, it's because that's the only way anyone has ever communicated with them. And now you have to further perpetuate the trauma that they've already experienced because that's the only way that they understand anything. But it it's not because that's actually reasonable. And then they grow up to be hurt people, to be damaged children who still need to be yelled at in their 30s and 40s. You know, at your big age, I got to yell at you to convey something? Dang,
0: dog. You know, I'm, I'm actually glad you brought that up because it's a perfect way for us to kind of like in this episode. If you were going to give... Your son or your little brother.
1: Well, uh, before you do that, I actually say, had another thing yeah, that I want to throw. Ahead, ahead. It's not as serious. It's actually mm-hmm. way more sillier uh, than the other ones. <laughs> but I was just I was thinking about it. I thought it would be funny. I think the only one that would actually take from away from it is probably Larry. Uh, but we're in Black History Month, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, so God. one thing that I wanted no. to do is just throw a little couple characters. Uh, <sighs> characters? Characters from movies or shows. <laughs> Uh, that I want to know, can we categorize them? Can we celebrate them <laughs> during Black History Month? Are you about to ask me about Uncle Ruckus? Right? No, no, no. He's not in the picture. Oh, and uh, the first one that I have is Darth Vader. Like, can we celebrate Darth Vader in Black History Month? He's, a black, he's all black. Shut and he, the fuck and, up. And he's voiced by a black dude. That's right. He was. Can we Mufasa? not celebrate him? Oh.
2: Can we celebrate the character?
1: Yeah. He's a, he, he's all black. The character is white, he's, though. No, no, he's, uh, all black all the time, and he's voiced <laughs> by a black guy. <laughs> and I mean, he abandoned his kids. Shut the if fuck we're just gonna up! Keep... <laughs> shut,
0: shut the fuck up! You go, you go, and you gonna bring I the first Black History episode of the Man Cave Podcast with that bullshit. Yes.
1: Oh hell no! So brother. we can't do it. Fuck no! Right, I'd rather have George Lopez. Piccolo, can we can we acknowledge Piccolo as a black character? Fuck no. Are you kidding me? Piccolo is the most black-rated character of all time. Why? Because he wore a durag? He did wear a durag. <laughs> but you're a
0: fucking piece of Piccolo? shit.
1: He's from Dragon Ball Z. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> See, if you spent more time with your man while you're playing the game, you would know these things.
1: No, I'm good. <laughs> I got my own thing. Piccolo definitely, Piccolo's a black character. I don't think anybody's going to disagree. Piccolo's fucking green, but all right. <laughs> He's the only colored person in the show. He showed Matt up as it, a villain. And then, breathe, once got we got to know him, he was all right.
0: Oh my God, <laughs> George. That's all I'm saying. Listen, black people aren't treated like that everywhere. It's just America
1: <laughs> and
0: certain South, parts South, of South America. South Africa. South Africa and certain parts
1: of Europe. All right. The last one that I had <laughs> is Knuckles. From Sonic the Hedgehog Is definitely black Right He got dreads And he's always ready to box
0: Yo That's <laughs> locks
1: Yo I don't even know how the
0: fuck You came up with these Three stupid ass I, I feel ass like I haven't really situations. Like
1: Drawed on the podcast Like that It's <laughs> <laughs> so like building I like, up I was like right, It's been a while <laughs> So happy black history month <laughs>
0: You're a fucking asshole Wow Oh man It's bad enough I didn't know what Kwanzaa was And That's we true. had Kyle on here Jesus. And I said I was gonna learn I still had yeah, And I knew you weren't going to-
2: When you say you didn't know What Kwanzaa was You mean like You didn't have an idea or I, I like had you-
0: a general idea okay. But I could, if you told me Like alright On the calendar Mark down when Kwanzaa starts And when it ends And the different days or are- Could
2: you have put me In the right month Even if you couldn't Got the days right? <laughs> on
0: I'm going to say February just because it's Black History Ooh,
2: Month. All right, all right. Kwanzaa is not in.
0: All right, cool. Uh, March.
2: Nope. No, no. Well, Kwanzaa then, is with the rest of you the holidays. Your black it's <laughs> right it there. Really? It's right there with Hanukkah and uh, and so Christmas. Talking, oh, okay. So, <laughs> yeah, I would never have fucking guessed that. Yeah, they all oh, happen right. around the same time. Oh, but time. it
0: makes sense because I remember in like fourth grade, we were singing the songs or whatever they were trying to teach us. I don't know. But it was like around Christmas. So I'm like, which one am I supposed to be celebrating? Is it Christmas or is it this one? Yeah,
2: month? yeah, yeah. That's why it's called, like, I don't know if you ever watched I think it's not Seinfeld joke. Christmas What the? Like, Christmas Hanukwanzaka. They looped all the holidays nah, together. Nah,
0: See, black people, we need our own thing. And stop grouping us okay, in whatever fucking Garry. thing. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Umar, actually. <laughs> <laughs> But, (laughs) uh, (laughs) um, Dr. Umar would be ashamed of you. He He would
2: be ashamed of you not knowing what class. Yeah, because I got white in my
0: family. That ass. (laughs) Um, but if you were going to give your son or your little brother three different pieces of advice Mm -hmm. to help them get to a place where they could potentially pursue someone like yourself, Mm -hmm. what would you tell them? Damn, she don't even got the answer N- I'm I'm, I'm Lori to, You said you said
2: three pieces you said three pieces of advice. So yeah. I'm trying to make sure that I'm giving three pieces of advice that are not redundant. Mm. Um, it could be
0: redundant if it's if it's from the heart, you know that's all that matters.
2: Know who you are. Know who you are. Be that person and accept when you when who you are is not what that person needs. Mm.
0: You gotta to touch on that last one a little bit more.
2: The deal is, if you know who you are, mm-hmm. and you know your strengths, you know your weaknesses, you know what you can do, you know what you can't do. Then, when you meet someone, and you go, okay, the, this is what I, this is what I quote unquote bring to the table, right? These are these are the tools that I have. And when she come, when she, when the person, when the other person, regardless of gender, knows who they are and and they know what they're bringing to the table, then they say, okay, you're bringing that, I'm bringing this. And y'all can look at the table laid out before you and you can say, okay, we have all the tools we need to get to where we're going or we don't have all the tools we need to get where we're going. And you can make that decision quickly because you know, you know, you know that you know that you know that you know what you're bringing. And they know that they know that they know that they know what they're bringing. And so you're looking and you know exactly what's there. And you have an idea of, okay, well, maybe we don't have this, but we can go get that. And one of y'all probably has a tool that says I can go get that, right? Like I am not, I am. I, nobody's gonna hire me to be a financial advisor. I would love if my partner would come in and go, No, I'm really good with money. I'm really good. Like I'm a good money manager. I'm a good budgeter. I, I make a budget. I stick with a budget. I can help you stick with help you stick with a budget. This is gonna be what we could do. If I have a partner who can come in and do that, I'm gonna be much more successful in life. But if he can't and he goes, well, no, but I have a financial advisor. I know somebody and I talk to him regularly and I take his advice or I take her advice, I take their advice and this is what we do and this is how we got to do it. And I've learned from that experience. I'm like, okay, cool, I can work with that too. But you got to know exactly what you're bringing to the table. And then when you look at the table and see that something is missing and you don't have a way to get the thing that you need, you got to go, it ain't gonna work. This just isn't right. And it's not that either, either person is bad. It's just, it's not a match. Cause it's about a partnership. It's about building something. And if you don't have enough mortar to put between the bricks, it's not gonna stand up. The wind is gonna blow. And maybe it'll stay up, but it's gonna be cracks all up in there, right? And then it's gonna be cold in a mug inside the building because you ain't fill up the holes. Preach. So you, you gotta make sure all the all the crevices are filled. You gotta have enough bricks and enough mortar to build a house. That's what it is. And, and if you don't have enough, you just gotta say, all right, we don't have enough here. It's not that you don't have enough. It's not that I don't have enough. It's just that this combined isn't right. We need something else. And I gotta go that way, You gotta go that way. Be blessed. You know it doesn't make anybody bad it just means that this didn't work
0: it's very mature of you and it's a perfect way to end the episode so sam you were a fantastic guest we already knew you would appreciate be that's so, why george begged me to have you come on yep. against my better judgment I did. and it'll be the last
1: time a woman comes on the show that's for sure <laughs> uh but nah, that's get awesome get re- get the rest of your guests off the madness <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, but no seriously thank you for coming on uh this is awesome talking to you appreciate y'all uh you got anything for the lady? You you Want to drop her uh, OnlyFans or like a my way? <laughs> you gotta That's
1: no, crazy. I mean, none of those. Let me know and I'll put it in the <laughs> description.
0: Yeah, drop it no in. The, drop it in the chat. <laughs> uh, but this is the Man Key Podcast, y'all. We appreciate y'all for tuning in with us. Peace. And happy Black Peace. History Month. <laughs> Shut the what? <laughs> <laughs>